Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me, if you would, to the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. 8th chapter of Romans. I want to uh, conclude our... uh, study here. We've been talking for several Wednesday nights about uh, being led by the Spirit. And of course, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Other translations read, uh, make it, I think, a little clearer. It says, all those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All those That's telling me that God doesn't have any other way of leading his children but by his spirit. He leads all of his children by the Holy Spirit. And and of course, just as a statement, you would find universal agreement with that throughout the body of Christ. But when you start getting into practical living and practical uh, application, most most of the church doesn't have a clue what it means to be led of the Spirit. And uh, because most people are looking around them at things going on around them and uh, interpreting, you know, the circumstances of, of life. Like I heard one preacher say, you know, a man came up to him and said, he said, well, how are you doing? He says, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing pretty good. And he said, well, what in the world are you doing under there? <laughs> what are you doing under the circumstances? Amen. Well, all of us have circumstances that uh, confront us and uh, contribute to uh, what we have to deal with, but we're not to be led by what's going on around us. And like I said, most Christians have the idea that God uh, uh, makes his will known through all of these abstract measures, these external measures, something somebody said, something that happened, something that didn't happen, or some kind of a feeling, you know, feelings. Uh, we're not to be led by our feelings. Feelings are, are, the, are the voice uh, of the body. Reason is the voice of the mind. Feeling is the voice of the body. But conscience is the voice of our spirit. We're supposed to be led by what's going on in here. And uh, a lot of times what's going on in here is completely opposite to what our circumstances would dictate. What it looks like would be the best plan of action a lot of times you're only if you're if you're if you learn to do this learn to look to your inward man a lot of times your inward man your spirit will say no uh-uh, don't do that and um, how does he do that if you go on down to verse 16 it says the spirit himself bears witness the spirit of him the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God that word bears witness that that phrase there simply means to bear joint testimony with. He, he uh, moves inside of our inward man and either confirms or disallows uh, some plan of action that we're contemplating or something even if we're not contemplating that, that he prompts us to do. It's a, it's a prompting. Some people say it's like a, uh, a nudge or, a, or uh, an inward knowing, just an inward sense 
Other people have described it sometimes uh, as a red light or a, or a green light. In other words, there's a go ahead on the inside, just a sense this is the right thing. Not a mental thing, not a, not a, not a mental uh, idea, or le- it's not a reasoning, it's something that's, that's beyond reason, outside of the realm of reason, and it's just a, a sense, yeah, this is the right plan of action, or no, hold off, don't do that. Uh, you know, if you, I know this happens to you, uh, it should, happens to me, sometimes, you know, I'll hear something. You know, m- m- preachers are just as bad as, as laymen about talking about one another. Yeah, they're just as bad. And, you know, somebody said, well, well, they shouldn't be. They're preaching. Listen, ministers do, do not have any special gifting to live what they preach. I'm not gifted in any way to live what I teach and what I preach. I, I have an obligation to do it, but I'm not gifted. I'm not especially anointed. I don't have special help to help me do. I have to live it in the trenches every day just like you do. I have to deal with my flesh. I have to make right choices. I have to purpose and, and, uh, uh, and all of those things just like you do. But uh, how many times have you been talking to somebody? I've been talking to somebody and something is said about a particular person. And you've heard something that uh, has come to you on pretty good uh, reliable source, you know, that would be very interesting. But it's not particularly flattery. It's not, it's not, it's, it doesn't help that person's image. It doesn't build them up. And, and I, I mean, this happens, you know, and I'll start to say something, the Holy, there's just something in the mm, 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 You understand that? Mm, don't, don't do that. No, don't, 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 don't say oh, Hallelujah. And you just pass on by and just don't say anything because what's that? What's that? That's the witness of the Spirit. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. And uh, on the other hand, there are, there are times whenever uh, you, you really don't want to do something. You don't want to say something to somebody or you don't want to uh, uh, do a particular thing. But just on the inside, you know, I, I, there's just, I know I, if I don't do that offerings come, that basket's coming down the, the, down the, the row there. And, you know, I had a smaller number in mind. But I, I've got something in my heart. I bet, you know, I've got a, I've got a go ahead. Do it, do it. Well, that's how the Spirit leads. And I, li- I like to illustrate like this because to me it just simplifies. It makes it very, very easy. It just makes sense. How does the Holy Spirit speak? Where does he speak? Well, where is he? Now, the omnipresence of God, we know the Holy Spirit is everywhere, but as far as it uniquely applies to the believer, as far as I'm concerned, the Holy Spirit in my life and, and what he his, his presence to me is not out there. It's in here. He lives on the inside. He, he, Jesus said he is with you, but he will be in you. And so we have the Holy Spirit in us. Well, that just makes sense that if he's going to lead us, he's going to lead us from in here. And so um, we've been talking about that. Last time we mentioned uh, things that will affect uh, how well you discern God's leading in your life. How well, things that can affect how well you discern uh, that, that witness. How well you perceive it. We just said uh, your overall consecration to God's will and plan for your life. If you don't leave a life of, if you don't live a life of consecration just as a foundation. If you don't have a foundation 
of, of consecration where you want. you. I don't mean that if somebody preaches a message and you happen to think about it, sure, you want God's will. But you, 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 you live with a, with a, con, a continual uh, awareness and a purpose. Lord, I want to please you. That kind of consecration will go a long ways in helping you discern God's leading for your life. Because if you're never listening, then you're not in the habit of, of hearing. Amen. Uh, your priorities was the second thing we talked about. Uh, what are your priorities in life? If all of your priorities, if the things that are most important to you are the things that are least important to God, uh, you know, there are things that, that are important to God only because they're important to you. Uh, I'm a firm believer in what Jesus said. He said, uh, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He'll give you whatever you desire. If you want a, a four-bedroom, four-bath uh, home on, you know, uh, uh, 3,000 square feet, he'll give it to you. If you're not interested in that, you want something different, I, I'm, I absolutely believe in asking God and believing God for things. I've believed God for many natural things. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and God wants me to have those things because I like them. He could care less. He doesn't care whether I, whether I or you have a boat or, or, or you know, a, a, a vacation home. or you know, He wants our needs to be met. He wants us to be comfortable. But as far as the things that we kind of like, you know, it's not really an issue with him. Uh, eternal things are what are important to him. Those, those other things have their place in our life, and it's okay to, to uh, pray for those things and put your faith out for those things. But if that's where your priorities lie, your priorities are all wrapped up in natural things, and that's all you ever believe for, that's all you ever pray about, that's all you ever think about, you'll not really be in a place to be uh, led by the Spirit. You, your, your spirit man will be dull to the things of God because you're so consumed with natural life. So priorities are an important part. Uh, we talked about several different uh, things, you know, that, that, that show people's priorities we won't go into tonight. Uh, continually feeding on the Word of God. Uh, the Word, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread but by every Word of God. What he was saying is natural things are not enough to sustain us. We have to have God's word. God's word is spirit food. God's word is what feet. Your inward man is the real you. you. You are a spirit being. You are not a body. You are not a soul. You are a spirit. You have a soul and your spirit and soul live inside your body but, but when I shake Ryan's hand here, you know, I, I'm looking at, at Ryan's outward man. There's a man on the inside that if, if, if you know, if, uh, if, he, if, if Jesus tarries and Ryan lives to be very, very old, one day, he, you know, he will leave this body. And when his spirit leaves his body, that spirit man is, the, is just as real a man, just as much a person, just as much an individual, a distinct uh, person as the man we see on the outward. Amen. But, but something has to sustain that inward man. The, the Bible talks about being weak spiritually, talks about being strong spiritually, talks about being 
fervent in spirit. Talks about being uh, 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 full spiritually. Well, how do you strengthen your inward man? You strengthen your inward man by feeding on the word of God. The word of God is spirit food. Well, it just stands to reason if the Holy Spirit's in your spirit and the way he leads you is by bearing witness with your spirit, the stronger your spirit is, the, the easier it is for you to discern his witness on the inside of you. The more alive, the more uh, exercised, the more uh, uh, vital your inward man, the, the, the reading of the word of God will make you alert. It'll, it'll teach you things. It'll impart wisdom to you. And so uh, continually feeding on the word of God, people who never read their Bible, Oh, they're the easiest people in the world to mislead. I'm talking about mislead. I'm talking about Christians who don't read the Bible, you know, can, can be led by all kinds of things and think it's God. Well, the, you know, when you know the Bible real good, there's certain things, you know, you don't even entertain because you know better. Isn't that right? Staying full of the Spirit, praying in the Spirit uh, is so important. When we pray in the Spirit, we pray divine secrets. We speak things that, that, are, that are God utterances. We pray about things when we're filled with the Spirit and speak with other tongues. We're praying. When we pray in the Spirit, we're praying about actual, actual things, actual uh, events, actual things in our future, things that need to be spoken before they can ever come to pass. And so praying in the Spirit uh, creates uh, a a uh, creates a reality of the things that the Lord wants to lead you into, and then by praying praying in the Spirit, it helps you quiet your mind and your body so that you are more discerning of those impulses. There's there's something about praying in the Spirit. If you if you just pay attention when you're praying in the Spirit and just analyze where is this coming from. And you right away, you'll know, well, this isn't coming out of my head. I, my head doesn't have a thing in the world to do with what I'm saying. Where's it coming out? It's coming out of right down here on the inside. Well, the, pay attention when you pray in the Spirit. Focus your attention. Focus your, your mental attention down to the inward bend and learn, and learn to pay attention to your spirit when you're pay, praying in the Spirit. It'll help you. And then uh, number uh, whatever it is, five, I guess, listening to wise counsel from spiritual people have a place. It has a place in our lives. And so I talked to you about that last week. I'm going to talk to you about it, uh, or I mentioned it last week. Uh, and so we're going to talk about it tonight. Now, you, you remember, it is ultimately your responsibility to discern God's will for yourself. It's not the other person's responsibility. Uh, people seem to be uh, in one ditch or the other uh, in this uh, uh, on this topic, particularly where, where their pastor is concerned. There's some people who are always wanting the pastor to know everything that's going on in their life, all of the details. They want the pastor to know all, all of their processes and, and what they're doing and how they came to these conclusions and what's going on in their life because they expect the pastor to have insight, an ongoing uh, special insight and so they're always, they're always calling, they're always wanting to know, you know, you to know, me to know, you know, what's going on, what's the latest news, what's the latest development, and all these little things, you know. Uh, I don't have any insight into your life, unless the Holy Spirit would just particularly give it to me. 
And, and it's not my job to have. Can you imagine if everybody in this church did that? Can you imagine? I mean, just a small church we have. Can you imagine if everybody constantly was, you know, make sure that I was up to date on all of the developing things in their life, you know, on their job and their situations they're believing God for and their home and, you know, can you imagine? I'd be a basket case. <laughs> Amen. It's not my job. I said, that's not my job. It's your job to hear the word of God. It's my, my job is to preach the Bible and teach you. It's your job to take it and apply it in your life and let the Holy Ghost give you the wisdom you need because, uh, frankly, I have my hands full with myself. <laughs> Amen. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm following God's plan for my own life. And uh, uh, now, having said that, it's our, we all understand it's our own responsibility uh, what, what we do and, it's our, and we're responsible for, our, for getting the leadings from the Holy Ghost. Uh, people who are always depending on other people are stunted spiritually. They don't grow like they should because they're always depending on other people. Having said all of that, there's, you know, there's two sides to a coin and there are two, two or three or different sides, many different sides to a mountain. You look at a mountain from one side, and, and if, you, you know, if you're an artist, you draw an artist, you know, a rendering of that mountain. If somebody's on the other side of the mountain, and they're doing an artist, artist rendering of that mountain, you, two people would see both of those pictures, and they'd never guess it's the same mountain. It'd look completely different. Well, there's some things that there's a, there's a, a, a similarity sometimes in the things of the scriptures. So it's ultimately your responsibility to discern God's will for yourself. Nevertheless, it is sometimes, let me stress sometimes, very important to seek insight and counsel from other people. I said sometimes. I didn't say most of the time. I certainly didn't say all the time. I said sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, let's look at some scriptures just to give you a foundation here. Go with me to Proverbs. And let's look at Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. <clears throat> verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. A man of, under, of understanding will attain wise counsel. Go with me over to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Go on over to the 12th chapter. Yeah, the 12th chapter. And let's look at verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Notice, he who heeds counsel is wise. And then going over to the 15th chapter and look at verse number 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And then go over to chapter 19, Proverbs 19, 20, and 21. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. And that scripture, what we just read, puts all of these other scriptures in context. When it's talking about counsel, wise counsel, multitude of counselors, it's talking about counsel that comes from the Lord. 
but sometimes that counsel will come through other people. Now, you're never, ever, 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 never, not under any circumstances, ever, I mean, unless you're a dependent child, I'm talking about adults, you're never, ever to be led by other people. Never, ever, ever. If you don't have a leading in your heart, it doesn't matter what other people are saying. You can't, you're not, you, you have to stay in prayer till you've heard from God yourself because people can miss it. And, and when that happens and you act on their counsel, it's nobody's fault but your own if that counsel was wrong because you, the Lord will first of all reveal his plan to you. Now you can count on that. I said you can count on that. Hallelujah. When or under what circumstances should you seek godly counsel from others? Who should be your counselors? How much weight should you give their advice or recommendations. So let's look at these three questions. When or under what circumstances should you seek godly counsel from others? Well, uh, when the decision is especially important or has great consequences. And I'm not talking about whether you uh, are buying, uh, you know, whether you're going to buy this car or not buy. That's not, that's not what I'm talking That's not great consequences. Now, it might be to you if you get into trouble, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about matters of that shape your destiny. Things that are life altering. Things that could take you out of the plan of God for your life if you get it wrong. If you, if you bought the wrong, wrong car, that's not likely going to derail God's plan for your life. You might, ha you might take a bath on it. You understand? You, you, that, and that can hurt you. And, and so you need to be led of the Lord in all the areas of life. All the things of life are important. And God, God will help you with all of them. He will lead you. But there are some decisions that are, that are in a different category. They have tremendous consequences in your life. Another uh, point to consider is when your decision directly affects other people. When your decision directly affects other people, then it's, it's right to get other people's input. Are you listening to me? For instance, your spouse or your children or if you have a business, your business partners or, or, or the, you can think of other situations where your decisions will have a profound effect on other, on other people. Sometimes it's important to get those other people's advice. Other times it's important to get somebody else. If, if, you're, making, if you're contemplating making a move, whether it's uh, to, to move to a new uh, geographic location or just up and move you know, to another state or another city or something, that's going to have consequences. It's going to have consequences in your own life. It's going to have spiritual consequences. Is, are you going to be ministered to? Are you going to find a church? People sometimes will ask us, you know, well, is there a, you know, do you know of a good church somewhere? Listen, just because I know, most of the time we don't know. Most of the time we know about churches, but we don't, we don't really know what goes on in those churches. You know, just because it's a RAM-affiliated church or something else doesn't mean it's necessarily a good church. And even if it's a good church, it doesn't mean it'll be a good church for you. It might just not be a good fit for you. And a lot of times people are pretending 
to put their, get their priorities right. They, they really have, are, are wanting to go. They're wanting to make this move. And so they want, us, they want to find out if there's a, if there's a, a church that we could recommend. And, and if we say, well, there's a Raymond church. Well, if I check that off, then that, you know, the Lord's okay with that. Well, not necessarily. Amen. Uh, how is it going to affect you spiritually? How's it going to affect your children? I've seen people leave church, leave our church when their children were flourishing to go after something or for some reason and, and if they had, you know, their children were, were being ministered to, their children were flourishing and they took them out of that. I'm not saying that they couldn't flourish anybody, anywhere else, but will they? Because they might not. And so things like that, when, when they affect, your decision greatly affects uh, other people uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to listen to what other people have to say. Again, when or under what circumstances should you seek godly counsel from others before you make up your mind? <laughs> I'm going to say that again. I just like the sound of that. Before you make up your mind. That's profound. Before you make up your mind. During the preliminary earlier stage of the decision process, when you're still thinking about it, when, when the idea is still uh, new and novel, not until, after, not until your flesh has gotten all involved. Amen. People come to us sometimes and want us to, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they tell me sometimes that they want my opinion, but what they want is my agreement, my, my endorsement. Because they've already set their course that way and, and, and they, just, they just want me to agree with them because all their friends did. I mean, everybody they've talked to has said it's great. So they just want to add, add the pastor's, you know, check off. You know, that the pastor agrees with it. Listen, don't come to me and ask him my opinion if you don't want my opinion. I mean, my wife and I, we've, we've come this close, but we know we can't. It's, I know it's the flesh, okay? I understand that. But we've come this flesh, I mean, this close, this close to saying, that's it. We're, 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 there are certain kinds of, of counseling stuff I'm just not even doing. I'm not, I'm just not even, I, don't even come and ask me. Because people will get mad at you when you don't agree with them. And then it's suddenly, it's my fault. Amen. Had this pastor uh, a friend of ours, you know, called me one time and wanted to know what I thought about some meetings that I'd been in that they conducted. And, uh, and I thought they were terrible. I thought the Holy Ghost, uh, they had abused the anointing and abused the people. I mean, it was ridiculous. I, you, could, if, you could not believe it if I told you. And I'm not telling you. Don't worry, I'm not. Uh, pastor's wife called me up. Well, what did you think about the meetings? I said, well, I thought they were terrible. I thought, I thought you, abused, you abused the anointing the entire uh, four days. I thought people were abused and, and, and the Spirit of God was abused. Oh, my Lord, you're talking about getting mad. I, I didn't say it mean. I just said, you asked me. Actually, her husband asked me before. He called me the day before and said, what would you think about the meetings? And I said, well, they were different. And uh, I mean, what would you gather? If you were running, if you, if you conducted some series of meetings in your church and somebody, you call a good pastor friend and say, what do you think of the meetings? And, and the friend says, well, they were different. Do you think that's a, 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 a raving endorsement? Well, he knew that, so he just kind of laughed and dropped it. Well, the next day his wife called me. 
Well, you know, I tried to, I tried to just leave a subtle hint. I'm, I'm getting way off my intended. It all applies. Don't ask if you don't want to know the, the truth. Amen. And I, I said, you know, I might be wrong, but this is just my opinion. Just my opinion. Um, so under what circumstances? Well, before you make up your mind. Now, secondly, who should be your counselors? I'm talking about, I'm not I'm talking about in whether or not you're going to, uh, you know, do, do ordinary things. I'm talking about serious life, destiny, future affecting things. Who should your counselors be? Well, they should be spiritually mature people. Amen. The spiritually mature people. Those who have proven. Now listen, not everybody who quotes scripture is spiritual. Not everybody who, who you know, sort of has a daze in their eyes and seems to be in another world. That doesn't mean they're spiritual. Amen. <laughs> it's the truth. Not, not everybody, let me say this, most people who act spiritual aren't. Most people who act spiritual aren't. Most people that go around with this kind of uh, air about them that, you know, everything has got to be a deep response, you know, hey man, you know, you got the time? Does anybody really know what time it is? <laughs> Come on, I just want to know if it's, if it's, I could eat lunch yet, you know? <laughs> People who try to act spiritual aren't. The most spiritual people I know, you know, they're just ordinary people. They don't try to act goofy and weird. The most spiritual person I ever knew was, was Kenneth Hagin. And when I was around Kenneth Hagin, he was just, just acting like a normal guy. And, and, and the reason people thought he was weird is because people would come up to him and ask him spiritual questions and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the setting. It's not that there's a right and wrong place to ask spiritual questions, but when it's forced, you know, you're looking for socks at the department store. It's not, you know, you usually that's not really the time you want to discuss the mark of the beast. And so, so, you know, if somebody, preachers come up to Brother Hagin and, and they would, you know, they'd be around him. They thought, well, you know, he's, he's a prophet and, you know, he walks, you know, he's got his ears tuned to another world, you know. And, and uh, so they ask him all these questions that nobody could, Solomon couldn't answer the questions they asked. And so Brother Hagin would just look at him. <laughs> he wouldn't and just try to walk off. Think, he is the strangest man. No, you're just an idiot. That's the truth. I, that's the truth. He, he got that treatment all the time. And he had this reputation of being, you know, Brother Hagin, he just looked right through me. I don't know what he saw. He was just wanting to get away from you. And, uh, and so people who act spiritual aren't. That's a put on. Amen. Uh, you want someone with proven uh, good judgment, a, a track record that, that has been proven over time that they make good decisions, that they follow the Spirit accurately. How do you know that? Look at their life. Look at their, look at their normal life. Look at the outward uh, results 
of their life. And, you know, uh, is everything a mess? You know, is destruction, does destruction follow in their wake everywhere they go, you know, as far as relationships and, and everything else, you know? No, if a person is, is truly spiritual and wise, their lives will reflect that. And that's not putting condemnation on anybody when they make a mistake. I'm just saying there are some things you can look for. And it amazes me sometimes uh, who people will turn to, you know, to, to get confirmation or ask, you know, whether if they'd pray for about, you know, something and, you know, help them pray about things. And I'm thinking, have you looked at, 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 have you looked at where their decisions have taken them in life? Anyway, uh, Someone uh, who, someone who cares about you, someone who really cares about you and has your best interest uh, at heart, not someone who will only tell you what you want to hear. I said, not someone who will only tell you what to hear, not someone who you, you know already agrees with you. That's not the right person to ask. All you're doing is just getting a, 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 a rubber stamp. Not someone, listen, not someone you know already agrees with you or who would automatically agree with you because they're reluctant to disagree with you. All of us have friends and most friends are like that. I'm just going to say it. Most friends... I'm talking about your buds, you know, your, your buddies, your, your posse, you know, your, the people you like to run with and hang out with and laugh and cut up with. Most of the time, they're just going to say, great idea. Oh, yeah, that, you know, I, I think you ought to do that. You can, I can see you doing that. that. That's what the relationship is based on, mutual admiration. And... Uh, so your best friends sometimes are not your best counselors. I'm just telling you. Your best friends most of the time are not going to be your best counselors. Well, praise the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 13. Don't turn there because I'm running out of time. I really am going to finish this tonight. You remember in Acts chapter 13 when uh, Saul and, and Barnabas met with the, uh, the other uh, teachers and, and prophets there? there was a, that was Paul's... Uh, home base of operation. That's where his ministry uh, was set up. That's where he traveled out of. Well, there were other ministers there. And notice he didn't go to lay people to get confirmation about the leading of God because they wouldn't have understood spiritual things as, as far as ministry is concerned. That's not, what, that's not what their experience is. So he was with these five prophets and teachers and and the Spirit said through some method, I don't know if it was a prophecy or a word of wisdom or, or, somebody, or somebody saw, I don't know. But the Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, uh, for the work whereunto I have sent them. And it says when they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on him and them, Paul and Barnabas, and sent them out by the Holy Ghost. Notice, Paul and Barnabas were good friends. They were buds. They, they traveled together, they ministered together, you know, and, and even Paul and Barnabas had downtime. Even Paul and Barnabas had times when, when you know, they're, they're not ministering all the time. 
Sometimes they're just eating chicken, you know, just having, having a good meal, maybe, you know, doing a little fishing or, you know, whatever they enjoy. Everybody has to have downtime. They were friends. They enjoyed that time together. But the other three ministers were not close friends of Paul and Barnabas. They were ministers they knew, but they weren't their close friends. Barnabas and Paul were like this. The other three men, they weren't, they weren't like that. They didn't travel with Barnabas and Paul. And so uh, your closest friends are not always your, your best counselors. How much weight should you give the advice of other people? Well, that's simple. The more reliable the person, the more weight. The more reliable a person is, the more, the better their track record, the more, uh, 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 the more spiritual they are, the, the closer the walk they have with God, the more reliable. Again, people, you know, very often they seek out the counsel of people who will tell them what they want to hear. And uh, uh, unfortunately, most times when people go to their pastor, they get the same thing. They just get, they're just told, you know, what they want to hear. And uh, that's just... I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy uh, people setting me up, you know, wanting me to endorse what they do, uh, you know, and I'm going to be as nice as I can. And many times people come to me and, and listen, i got a lot of people that have come to me about things, direction of life, and I said, you know what, bears witness with me. It's not that it doesn't happen, it does happen. But I've had a few instances where, you know, I just don't, I don't see it. And not, a, not one, not one time has anybody shaken my hand and said, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm go back and pray about that some more. Not one time. Every time. Well, you know, I've heard from God and I'm doing, well, then why'd you ask me? Well, praise the Lord. You know. Uh, be careful about making a move when those who are spiritually mature, those who are proven in following the Lord, who really care about you, are in disagreement that you have the leading of the Lord. In such a case, now, now again, this has to be juxtaposed with the, with the understanding that you're the one that's ultimately up to you. It's not up to anybody else. But it matters when people who know God sense that there's something big time wrong. In such a case, don't move because, again, this should be in the early stages. Don't move. Instead, seek God more earnestly, searching your own heart honestly for any selfish motives or agendas. Too often... People mix up their own emotionally charged plans and purposes with what God is trying to say to them. Very often, God's trying to say something. But they've got their own wheels a-turning, and they've gotten in, 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 in engaged in this thing, and they've got an idea, and they begin to think about this scenario, and they're setting up you know, all of the, what's going to happen, and they get so uh, caught up in their own uh, purposes that uh, they, they get confused. And then because they're not completely honest with themselves... And their true motives, they deceive themselves. Amen. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, the Bible says. My ways are not your. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. And my thoughts above your thoughts. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We have to learn to separate between the two. And the sooner you do that when you're contemplating, you sense God leading you, the sooner you do that, the, the, the easier. Get into God's presence long enough to sift out your own thoughts and plans. Lay them out before the Lord. Do you know what that means? Lay your plans out. Get in, in, a, in a place of prayer and put it all out there and say, now God, this is, 
you know, this is uh, what I'm thinking about. And I be honest with you, he knows your heart anyway. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to go with it. And here are the reasons why. But at the same time, not my will, but your will. And, and ask yourself, why do I want to do that? What's really leading me to go in that direction? Is there something there that's, that's ulterior, you know, that I'm not being honest about myself? Ask God to help you rid yourself of so selfish motives and agendas. If you'll ask him, he'll identify those things. You know what a blinder is on a horse? Put blinders on horses so that they won't see anything to the sides. And so nothing can get their attention. Well, a lot of times we have blinders about decisions we, we're contemplating. We, only, we, we, don't want to, we don't want to know anything else. Well, ask the Lord to show you if there are any blinders that you've put. Pray and meditate on the word in that kind of a situation until it's clear. God's will is clear in your heart. This can sometimes take more time than many people are willing to put into it. That's the problem. People just aren't willing to invest that kind of time. But after much time, much, much, much time consecrating your plan, your, yourself to God's perfect plan and will, crucifying the, the will of the flesh and carnal mind, his perfect will and plan will begin to take shape inside your spirit. Uh, this is where praying out God's plan for your life is important. I so said this is where praying out God's plan for your life is important. We, I've already referred to 1 Corinthians 14 too. He who, who prays in an unknown tongue speaks divine secrets. Praying out divine secrets is fundamental to all these instructions, to everything I've said tonight. It's fundamental. And should be already, should already have been a part of your daily devotions before this idea popped into your mind. Before you started sensing any kind of leading, praying out, uh, God's will for your life should already have been a part of your daily devotion, your ongoing devotion. Why is that true? Because when we speak divine secrets, they're just that. They're secrets. We're praying about things we don't know about. It's best to pray about God's future for you and pray it out before you ever even have a thought of what it might be. Pray it out. I mean, pray it through. And, and how, you, do you know if you're doing that? Not necessarily, but by praying in the spirit, you pray things out and get them established in the spirit realm, get all the details set in motion in the spirit. It's much easier than when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you for you to sense that leading. Things begin to unfold for you because unknowingly, you already prayed it out. Let's say, let's say you sense that you're called to go into full-time ministry. You're in the local church. You sense God's plan, you know, God's call in your life. You sense that. I did as a young man. Let's say you sense that, but you don't do anything about it. You just come to church, you know, you just, well, I'm, you know, when the Lord leads me, you know, in his time and I'll do it, you know. And, and you never pray about it. You don't pursue it in the spirit. You don't, you don't. You don't, you're not, not pursuing that, but you just don't pray. You just don't pray about much. Let me put it that way. You just don't do much praying. Well, when things begin to happen that make it look like now's the time or that you're supposed to step out, now you're going to get down to business and start praying about it. You're way behind because now you're, you're, your head's involved in it. You know, uh, I had this guy one time, this man in our church, 
and he was having problems holding on to a job. He couldn't, couldn't keep a job, you know, and, and um, he'd just go from one job to another, and I know what time it is, and, and um, he, he kept going from one job to another. And I made a mistake. I said something stupid to him. A, a minister friend of mine, I had recently seen me, I had recently seen him, and he, and he called out to me, Hey, preacher! I mean, it happened like the day before. Well, I'm in town. I'm downtown at the intersection of, of uh, Main Street and 441 at that Chevron or Exxon station there. I'm getting gas. This man in my church drove by, and, he, and I looked over, and he, you know, he saw me there. He said, hey, Pastor. I said, hey, preacher. And I thought, that was a dumb thing to say. So he was on the phone the next day. Oh, Pastor, you just, you, you just don't know what you said to me. You just stirred me up. He hadn't been able to keep a job. He'd gone from one job to another. He said, I just wonder if, you know, is God calling me into the ministry? You know, nothing's worth. Listen, not being able to keep a job is not, is not a good prerequisite for going into the ministry. But, that, but he, he just latched on. And I, it, was just a, it was just a thoughtless comment. It wasn't inspired by the Holy Ghost. It was inspired because I had somebody just call me that. And I am a preacher. And I just said it, you know, and he said, I just thought, you know, maybe the Lord's leading me. And I thought, oh, Lord, forgive me. That was a stupid thing to say. And I, I finally, you know, uh, he was, you know, he, he finally kind of got himself, himself straightened out. Uh, before you know what you're praying about, pray things out. Timing is very important to fulfilling God's plan for your life. Don't get out ahead of God. Don't get out ahead of it. If you're a little behind, if you're a little slow stepping into something that God has for you, if you're a little, listen, that's, that's worlds better, worlds better than being ahead of God. Amen. Getting out ahead of Him. Worlds better. Because when you get out of, if you're, if, if you're behind, He's still leading you. But when you get out ahead of Him, He's not leading you. Even though there's some direction going on in your life, you take that, listen, once you get out of the will of God, I have seen that it is so difficult for people to get back to the place where they were and to a place of usefulness. They were useful, they had God, they, they were just fruitful and flourishing, but they got misled and they jumped out on something and... It wasn't God. And getting them back to that place is the hardest thing in the world. You know why? P-R-I-D-E. Pride. Because to come back, you'd have to admit I was a bozo. You'd have to admit I, was, that was, I made a big mistake. People don't want to do, they don't want to admit that. Furthermore, the longer they go, the, the, the harder it is because then they'd have to admit that not only did I make a wrong turn, a wrong move, everything I've done since then has been wrong. That, believe me, folks, that's hard. I've known of preachers that got out of the will. I mean, they, I'm thinking about this one man, and I know several people like this. I, this one man, got he, he had a good church. This was back in the 19, early 1980s. There wasn't but a handful of Word of Faith churches in the state of Florida. Our church was one of them. There, I mean, it was, it was rare. This man had a church over in the panhandle uh, of Florida, and he had a stable, 
growing congregation, had a building. I mean, like I said, there weren't many of us. He had a, his ministry was, was further along than, than Faith Christian Fellowships. It, he had more people. I mean, things were, but some, some ministers, they're like, my wife and I were talking about that this week because we drove by where that man used to be. They're, they're like, they're climbing this ladder in ministry and they're always looking for a, they thinking this ladder is not going to go as high as I need to go so they're always looking for an adjacent hanging ladder that they like monkeys you know they want to jump from one thing to another and I'll scurry up this one and then you know the Lord will have me jump onto this other ladder what are they doing they're, they're, they're working for themselves to, to advance themselves they, they think it's all about moving up this man a great church so, an opportunity came for him to jump from that to, to a, a better congregation, better church. I knew it was wrong. He did it. He didn't ask my advice. Why didn't you tell him? Because he didn't ask me. It's none of my business, really. It isn't my business, but I knew it. He, t- he took that jump. I've just, after 30 years, I've just recently, in the last couple of years, reconnected with him on Facebook. He went through a divorce, lost it. He, he, he's never been in a stable ministry since then. He's gone from church to church to church. Personal life fell apart, and he's he's been struggling to find that ladder again. And then that ladder's gone. That's the problem. Now, can God redeem that? Yes, but it takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of, of, of being able to say, you know, I messed up big time. Most people are not capable of that. They they just won't do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, I was I was in a church one time. The church I was in before I went to Raymond, we're, you know, we, we've got a couple minutes here. You don't mind another story, do you? We were, in a, we were in a church, the church Angela and I were in before we went to Raymond. There was revival in that church among the, the youth and the singles, the young adults, you know, and it was really uh, great. And there was a girl there that I went to school with. She graduated from high school with me. I'd known her for many years. Uh, we weren't best of friends. We were in different cliques. You know, I was in the... Doper's click, you know, you know, and, and back in, in 1969, 1970, you know, that was that was a small segment of the student body. It wasn't like it was a few years later. You, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, you know, we we weren't we were looked down upon. <laughs> you guys, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. She's shaking her head, yes. And uh, we we were, you know, we, we but this other girl that I'd known for long, she was in the in the you know in the in the uh, preppy group, you know. And so we, we were friends, and then when I got back in the fellowship with the Lord, we were in the same, now she was single, but I was married, but we were the same age, and we got back in the fellowship with one another. So, you know, they're just like this in this church. There was a close-knit, you know, fellowship. She showed up one day. Now, she, she went through several boyfriends in the church. She went to the pastor's son, and that didn't work out. She dated somebody else and almost, you know, I think she was engaged to, to him and then she was engaged to somebody else and then that didn't work out. And, and one day she shows up at, on Sunday, on Sunday she shows up, she's got this guy with her. And she introduces him. That's her new boyfriend. I forget where she met him, uh, but it wasn't in church. And uh, before long, I mean, they're just, they're close. You know, you can see they're, they're, they're getting serious. Next thing we know, she's going to get married. Well, you know, that's none of my business. Who she marries is up to her. She's going to have to live with him. Uh, isn't, it, isn't anybody else's business. Maybe her parents, you know, have got a, a, a more legitimate stake in that. But, but all of us, young, younger uh, adults in the church, we all knew 
That's just not right. Now, it's none of our business, but we still knew it. You've experienced that before. That what that person's doing, that's just not right. They're just missing God. I talk to people still today, even, even in this church. People come up to me, they're going to do something. And, I, and right away, I know, that's not right. That's not going to work out right. Do you tell them? Not unless they ask me. And most people won't. Most people, they, they don't want to know. But when that happened, you know, in that local church, here's this woman, you know. She's a young woman. She's 22 or so or 23, you know. And, and she's, she's got this guy. She's going to get married. And all of us, we're just like, this isn't right. This one friend of mine, he said, who is this Jeff anyway? I think his name was Jeff. Who is this guy? We don't even know who he is. She's our sister. You know, and, and we don't even know who he, I mean, you had this protective kind of thing. We just knew it wasn't right. Just wasn't right. Well, you know, I don't know if anybody told her. I'm, I'm sure somebody did because there were people closer to her than me. She married him. It was a disaster. They got, ended up getting an annulment. It was awful. He wasn't who he uh, presented himself to be. But, you know, everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. She knew it. She, she was born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. She knew it, but she suppressed it. You never convinced me she didn't know. She suppressed that because she wanted to. She got what she wanted, but it wasn't what she wanted. Hallelujah, man. Hallelujah. These kind of things, I'm telling you, have a, have a place. They have a place when other people who know God and, and, and aren't out to, uh, to hurt you and, and they've got a good, they know God and they, they've got a good track record, record and, and, and you ask them, what do you think? And they say, I don't know. I'd... Listen, a few years ago when I had cancer, well, 20 years ago, I started searching my heart. Am I in the will of God and pastoring? I, 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 had, I did just what I'm telling you. Get down before God. Lay everything out. Lord, you know, I'm comfortable pastoring. I've got a good church. My needs are met. I love what I'm doing. Am I, am I just coasting? Have I just got to a place where I'm just, you know, just comfortable and I'm just coasting? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I haven't really sought you about whether or not I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I just assumed I was. And, and I, I got serious about, serious about it. And I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll leave this church. I'll go, if, are, you, are you trying, are, have I missed it? Not that you did put cancer on me because he didn't, but what I'm saying is have I missed it somewhere and opened the door and I'm not even supposed to be at, at Faith Christian Fellowship. So I started, I did, actually took some, some speaking engagements, called some pastors, I want to come preach and they let me come preach and I was testing out the waters and I talked to a couple of, of people that knew me real well but you know, weren't like my daily acquaintances, other ministers and, and I just told them kind of what was on my heart and you know what the reaction was? Whoa, I wouldn't do that. Whoa, whoa, I don't, mm, you better pray about that. Well, you know, that got my attention. When people who know the voice of God and have experience in these things and, and they were other traveling ministers and other pastors said, you know, that doesn't sound right to me. Well, I'm going to listen. And so I continued to pray about it and, and this, it, after a, sh a short period of time of consecrating myself and just saying, God, I just want what you want. I don't, I don't want to be anywhere except where you want me the assurance came into my heart better than I'd ever had before that. That I was right where he wanted me to be. I was right where I needed to keep doing what I was supposed to be doing. And there was such an assurance that came into me. It was like an old friend had arrived. You know, does that make sense? I mean, just something came into me. Oh, yeah, I know that. 
And it was stronger than I'd ever had it before. But I had to be honest. And other people knew. Other people knew. Well, praise God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.